Cue me up, baby. <laughs> this is what I want to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about. Awesome. Um, cool. So I'm ready whenever. Uh, I've got some visuals, um, and I can just share some links to the visuals, like the Podstock album, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole the whole liner notes and the whole of Ben Wilcoff written and performed by session notes and the album jacket on the inside with the record with you know, best of web 2.0 hits you know as polled by 900 people on our social network or our, our personal learning network uh, and all of that framing all of that was extremely intentional um, but as far as people seeing this I can link to or share some links to uh, pictures if that's anything all there right. are a few visuals that are fun but yeah well okay so um let's let's start off very very basic though um uh and so since i'm going to use this as my podcast and you'll probably use it as yours podcast i think that that's totally legitimate but uh the uh the reason why i'm interested in in talking today is to find out more about um podstock what started it what kept it going and how it is going to live on um, in infamy and all of those kinds of things. So uh, today we're talking with uh, Kevin Honeycutt and um, he's of SDAC fame as well as uh, many other different things right now, uh, art snacks and um, he's gotten people to to create a lot of uh, different networks and and things like that. And I believe that uh, yesterday I saw in Plurk that... um, People are had a, a new word for you. The somehow music chef, um, uh, ed tech guru, all of those kinds of things. What was the word they were using? I don't know. Okay, it was a very. I saw the list, but... it, it was a bizarre word that I had never seen before. I have to go look and back back what it was. I think they made it up. But um, but anyway, so uh, what is Podstock? Um, sort of a movement. Yeah, uh, the word movement comes to mind. And I was, you know, thinking about this economy and how hard it is to do anything anymore and how no one's paying anyone to do anything anymore and that uh, we need a movement. Forty years after Woodstock, it, it seemed appropriate. Uh, so just looked at Woodstock and said, why did people cross the country and live in the mud for days? Uh, what was what was the thing? What was the glue? And us, us tech geeks out here, you know, we we believe in a similar way that, you know, schools can be better and whatever. So I wanted to tap into that movement idea. Um, so that again, Podstock just <laughs> Woodstock Podstock. It seems simple. I googled it to see how many other versions there were of of that. Not too many, and not as many as you might you know, might think. There was a company or two that sold audio equipment that called themselves Podstock. So I thought, you know, let's start with that and see where it takes us. So that was the beginning. But- yeah. Well. Um- so, so this was just kind of your your brainchild originally to to I, to uh, start something. I was sitting at EduBloggerCon last year, and um, I'm not an EduBlogger. I wish I was, but uh, I'm not a wordsmith uh, in the printed word. You know, I'm a podcaster, and I always felt a little, little bit like I wasn't as the wrong party, and no one was saying anything. You know, and I thought, you know. I, you know, EduBloggerCon invites everyone. You know, it's not exclusive and it's cool. But I thought, you know, we need something for podcasters, you know, uh, like an EduBloggerCon for podcasters. And uh, that was really the beginning. And I talked to Steve Hargadon about that. He was very supportive of the idea. Uh, even folding a strand of Podstock into EduBloggerCon um, and eventually marrying those two communities together. I know they can be put together, but I just wanted to give. 
also people like you who who podcast my thought down the road was a guy like you comes there and people have a chance to physically you know it's different when you physically meet someone you can know Mm -hmm. them online but physically meet people who follow inspire them i don't know just this intermingling of of those audiences and those performers just like woodstock where you had Jimi hendrix on stage and people in the audience except a level playing field where we're equals you know more more um what's the word we're democratic you know um and demystify this follow thing you know so that we share ideas with each other in a sort of an unconferency thing demystify this follow thing let's talk about that what as a as an aim of a conference what are you trying to do where you're demystifying the follow thing <laughs> like you know people show up and and first there's this they follow the things you say and there's almost a fandom you know and that goes away pretty quickly <laughs> when you hang out together when you eat together when you talk everyone realizes we're all educators and we have the same problems and that people who think they follow someone because that person is good at all these things realize that they're probably better than the person they follow and that it's okay that we're all just sort of people uh, let me give you a, a follow thing kind of a kind of a, a reference here one of my presenters uh said uh the only person in the room who didn't know me already was the person who introduced me hmm. everyone everyone else in the room had been following and not just following but being followed back and communicating with that presenter for six months knew everything that happened in her classroom every concern she had had uh, and yet the person introducing her wasn't a Web 2.0, you know, plurk, uh, Twitter person. And so this difference, this startling difference between analog and digital <laughs> was amazing because most of the people who came to Podstock were people who were following presenters at Podstock or, you know, uh, who sort of had an already existing conversation going on. Um, but what happened is we all became friends in this other way because we shared space together. I'm still trying to parse out uh, what the difference is between meeting someone in person, meeting you in person, and us sitting down having the conversation we had sort of changed forever the way I talk to you digitally. Mm. I don't know why. You know, there's something there. I don't know. And for different people, it's different. But uh, I could talk too long about about that whole phenomenon. Yeah, we could go on for for quite some time on that one. Um, The... um... One of the things that I was most struck by uh, in terms of creating a conference around a particular technology um, is you you get to be very, very specific. Um, You don't have to have these sort of general sessions where you're trying to focus on everything and, you know, you end up not doing anything very well. But, um, you know, the question that I always think about is, you know, why podcasting? Why is it podcasting that you chose to... um, devote two entire days uh, a lot of your time uh an entire social network you know why why is it this medium that you find to be so uh so interesting yeah i talking to teachers over and over it occurred to me over time that most people don't really understand the full breadth of possibilities with podcasting you know they're either a consumer that doesn't produce or they want to produce before they even consume they they sort of come in the middle of a continuum and what would be neat is to lay the whole buffet out from i want to make a podcast to what is a podcast to power podcasters tips and tricks of the trade you know just sort of lay it out and let people have multiple on-ramps but to sort of broaden this conversation of what podcasting really is because just the word pod 
you know, for some people ruins it. <laughs> Podcasting, right. it sounds like pod people. And so change the vernacular in some ways. And I had one session where I just said, let's really look at broadening the definition. Okay, if you're making videos in the classroom and you want to call that podcasting, hey, have at it, buddy. If it ever does go to an RSS feed, wonderful. But I'm not going to preclude anyone who's touching their toe in the water because this is too powerful, this whole communication, you know, sharing of stuff uh, across networks uh, is so powerful that people, I just think it needs to be explored further. Blogging in a similar way, you know, uh, but, but video and, uh, and audio and these, these other powerful sort of forms of communicating uh, have a place too. Now, that was the hub. Podstock podcasting was the hub. We did not preclude any Web 2.0 technology that wanted to be addressed anywhere. People could build their own session. It was an empty room all day long for people to have ad hoc conversations if they just wanted to take off and go a, a different direction. Um, so we tried to leave some, you know, some some space in there, just like EduBloggerCon. If they talked exclusively about EduBlogging, you know, in every moment, you know, of that whole thing, but we'd have the Web 2.0 SmackDown, you know, we have these other things in there. Some of that was there too, but I just really wanted to get out the whole toolbox of podcasting and bring in people with different specialties, and, and let them start sharing sharing in a sort of free environment. You know, people wore their hippie clothes, their hippie beats. It's so funny when people show up in costume. <laughs> They're bought in, man. You can't not be bought in when you have peace signs painted on your toenails and your car has shoe polish that says Podstock or bust on the side and you drive from Texas uh, to do this thing, you know, this, this crazy movement thing. I don't think I answered your question at all there. <laughs> Well, you did in a way, and and one of my other questions is definitely, you know, what is podcasting to you? And and from what I hear, it's that video and audio matter, and they matter in a big way. Um, in terms of, I mean, from everything that I I know about you, you know, the whole uh, your whole work with story chasers and everything like that. You know, you're interested in the story of what happens in classrooms and the story of 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 how learning works, um, and so in that sense, video and audio matter and they matter that it's, they're getting out to, to others to, to listen to and to use for, for their own learning purposes. Is there anything else that you would like to expand on with that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is going to get kind of probably weird and it's not, it's not going to be burdened by a ton of research. Uh, but, but over time I, I've come to believe that, you know, the, the, the first best way the human organism learns is through experience and that hasn't changed i don't think our genetics have changed sufficiently to, to to make that not no longer true so i think this organism was designed to see to hear experience and learn okay and i think the printed word arrived you know uh, eventually and, and you've got this code to break and you break the code and then you self-simulate an experience through the breaking of that code and over my years in the classroom, you know, I saw kids who, in reading books uh, by Dr. Mel Levine, uh, The Myth of Laziness and, and, and anything else he writes, um, some kids burn a certain amount of sort of glucose, brain-based glucose, uh, in just the, in just the um, what am I thinking here, just turning text into something they understand. And they're almost done after decoding. You ever see kids and they just have that, they're exhausted, and you're like, we haven't started yet. But for them... It's already been a marathon. You know what I mean? So when we pull out something like video or audio or let kids create video, that feels to them and to some people, I think a lot of us, more natural because it simulates direct experience. So, you know, when the, when the phonograph was invented, uh, instead of hearing 
were reading a wonderful article about how good the symphony was last night, it was as if you were there. Not perfectly, but as close to actual experience as you can get. And so I think for natural learning, the way the brain goes, oh, I get this. Video and audio are immensely powerful. And there are people who, with printed word, just fly. I'm not one of them. And I'm not, a, you know, I'm not judging or anything. I just, my whole life, have not been one of them. I listen to audiobooks. I see pictures in my head. If I look at text, I don't see pictures in my head because I have to spend so much neural capacity to decode, I can't afford the pictures. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but I believe there's a lot of people out there that, that, that live in a similar place uh, and students who struggle in a similar way. That's not to say we should stop writing, for gosh sakes. It's, you know, that's that's the secret sauce of probably culture or whatever, but to, I never want to preclude these other ways of seeing. Why is YouTube so popular? Why why do people want to see and hear, you know, an experience? I don't know. There's a lot there, and I just keep looking at, at what the brain has to do to experience in these different ways, and I'm just fascinated by video and audio. Okay. Well, let's get into the heart of, um, of Podstock in terms of how you created the culture of Podstock um, and what you did to to foster the relationships. I, I mean, you, you've already said that uh, the majority of the people that came were already a part of the conversation. So you had a built-in community um, that was basically just coming together in real time and, and in real space. But how do you create the culture where people are coming to Podstock with the toenail polish and with, um, you know, the stuff on their cars? I mean, that, that is something that, um, that y- you can't plan that on Plurk. You know, <laughs> well, I, I mean, you could, but you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it was a, a team. I had a probably five person team and I, I uh, sat down with them and said, you know, hey, we're up against it. This is probably going to have to be a passion deal. Uh, and let's build a culture. And so from day one, we set up a Ning and we changed the, the vernacular of the Ning. We called uh, we, we called things certain sort of hippie hippie phrases we changed the verbiage a little bit when we welcome people we said groovy glad you're here welcome to the movement uh everyone had an assignment for a certain amount of people that they welcomed and we made sure we met them at the door every time uh, and just were very intentional about making sure people felt like part of something and the word movement was important uh, not just network but the word movement and those subtle frames uh help people understand that we were up to something uh something bigger than just a conference um, Plurk, yes, I leveraged Plurk and Twitter and Facebook and every other network, and all of us did, us people on the team. We worked hard um, uh, to keep that. You know, when you start a new learning community, you have to stir it a lot to, to reach critical mass. And if it's a ghost town, even once when you go there, you don't want to go back because you say nothing's going on here. Um, pictures. Uh, we had to take pictures of things that hadn't happened yet. So, you know, we put on our hippie clothes and took pictures of each other here in the office and brought in guitars and a lot of that, a lot of that sort of, uh, what would I call it, uh, aesthetic, aesthetic, because we wanted to set ourselves apart. Um, we knew it was all a, probably a gamble people could take. Oh, I'm losing you. Have real... Okay, hey, I'm on. back now. Yeah, you're you're good now. So you you said I got everything to you dressed up in the office, um, and uh, and you were creating the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. The album design popped out. One of our great designers here popped up with this album idea, which I just loved. You know, uh, it was something sticky. Uh, if you read the book Made to Stick, 
you know, we wanted to build things people would not throw away, but would show everyone and everyone would want one. So we, we had to hand build those. And what was fun is we were clerking this as we were building these. And one of our clerk friends said, can I drive over and help? She was outside the network, but she wasn't. Suddenly she's inside the inner sanctum because there's this sort of invitation that goes in and out of that, that circle of leadership that, that, that was amazing. Uh, and so, you know, we had that kind of story um, going on. So we're building these things, these artifacts. So we also had no money, none, no money. This was a huge gamble in this recession. And we planned this before things got really bad. So we could have lost a lot uh, of money in a very, very bad time. So, uh, you know, the pressure was was big um, to get this to at least pay its own bills the first year. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I knew that if it didn't pay its own bills, it would never happen again. Wow, that was pressure. But we didn't want to overt market and say, come, come, come. But we did ask people, hey, I hope you can come. Because if you don't ask, you know, it's like asking for a vote when you're running for office. You do have to say, hey, sure would hope you get your vote. So. We, we tried to be intentional uh, that way, but our name tags were all cut out flowers. Everything was made by hand. Uh, we had string on those name tags that looked like hemp, but it was actually cotton soaked in tea, so it would be brown, browner. There was all this intentionality. Uh, we brought sewing machines, and people came in and, and made bell bottoms out of their old jeans um, here. It looked crazy in this office. I mean, it was so counterintuitive compared to some of the things we've done in the past. Uh, and it was the danger of people seeing it all as superfluous silliness, you know. Um, the content was there, the right speakers were coming, and we knew that would happen. Um, but from the outside, a person could easily have said, what is this silly, silliness? But I'm convinced that passion is what we have in a hard time, passion and belief, you know. So we just reinforced that as much as we could uh, and moved forward. Sort of out of words. <laughs> um. Okay, so that is pretty amazing um, to have a, a core group of people um, that are that committed, um, and and clearly it was a huge gamble on your part to um, to try something this uh, I w I would use the word revolutionary, um, and uh, wouldn't you? You're I mean you're talking about creating a movement, you know that that kind of thing. Um, so there are two two other places I'm really interested in going. Um, one is if you were going to, you know, what is the movement? What is the movement that you are trying to create? Um, and so, I mean, I really want to know where, where do you want Podstock to go? What is the movement that you are trying to foster within people? Um, are, are we going to be uh, marching at any point or uh, what's, the, what's the thought here? I love that. Um, first, um, what I want to do is invite, invite people, everyone. So, so if you joined today, if you joined the network today or if it's going to be tomorrow and you know nothing, you're still one of us. You're, you know, there's no hierarchy um i want people to feel like we're equals you know sort of rights equal teacher rights you know in one way the other way is this empowerment thing that it's never going to be just you again once you have us you have us like it or not we're there for you so if you're stuck and the locals do not get what you're doing and you're in some danger in numbers you know on plurk or on twitter uh in any way we can and i'm seeing these behaviors that's the, the exciting thing is I'm seeing people who were detached retinas who were in some danger 
because people who look like revolutionaries in conservative moments or communities can be burned at the stake. And I've been there. I've got friends who've been there. Those bold chances that you take, you take uh, daily. You know, back a couple of years ago when you first started doing that, remember that feeling, that mixed excitement mixed with, uh-oh, <laughs> Yeah. I get fired. Uh, wasn't where am I at with my mortgage? Those kind of thoughts a teacher shouldn't have to have while doing good stuff. Well, that network, you know, that network of friends who show up that are there for you. That's the thing that power to the people movement. I, I don't know. It's not all easy to put my finger on. And going forward, I want to grow the movement and I want to have regional pod stocks. I, you know, we can't afford to let this thing get humongous. I like it in Kansas because it's the middle of the country. That's neat. But I don't like to think of it in terms of country. I'd rather think of it in terms of world. I'd like to have a pod stock in Denver. I'd like to have a pod stock. Just like, you know, edge of blogger cons pop up in different cities. Yeah, ad hoc. You know, when we come to Denver, it's your people doing all the, you want to call it facilitation. I don't want to call it presentation because I want it to be open-ended and, you know, conversational and these things. Um, so it's not too not driven by PowerPoint, you know? Um, but why not? Why not just like barnstormers sort of show up, you know, at a farm somewhere and boom, we show off what an airplane can do and get people thinking. Uh, so that down the road, it, I'm thinking of it regional, like a movement, like, you know, instead of one a year, maybe there's a mothership one that show, you know, that we have, but I'd like it to be lighter weight than that. I'd like you and I to talk and two weeks later, boom, we've got a little one happening. Mm-hmm. If you have the local will and people who want to come in and, you know, they're connected and they understand they've been following and they know exactly where to pick up um, and they you know, know what to point to and what, what examples to show to inspire people, uh, put gas back in their tank. You know, it's been so hard with the economy. I've got all these friends who've either lost their jobs or are close to losing their jobs. I know tech guys that are doing double duty for less money and they were barely getting it done last year. Uh, I want to suppose. Let me give them some place where they can uh, almost heal, you know, remind themselves why I'm going to stick through it during these dark days because it's going to be good again, you know, an album, you know, in our album, there's a record and then on the record, there's a place to sign it on the back. It's almost like a summer camp. You know, you come back and you've got all these signatures. Yes, they're analog and you, you've got new connections in your clerk and your Twitter networks. And uh, so you haven't lost these people, you know, they're not a year taller Oh, they are taller. I guess we're all fatter and balder when we meet in real life <laughs> than, than we are online. Um, some fun things. that One of our ladies made pet rocks. Uh, one of our ladies made guitar picks that said Podstock, sort of brought them in handfuls. Um, stuff started happening on its own, which is exactly what I hoped would happen. I wasn't sure I could you know, get people to see. Jump in your minivan. Pick up the people on your network that live between you and Wichita. Podcast the entire journey. Tell your story and bring it, share it, and make it part of the culture. Uh, tell us on your way back what happened, you know. Um, so that's worth doing, you know, um, especially if you're spending your own money. And I know some teachers came on their own dime. We had one teacher who couldn't come at the last minute because of money and another teacher who wanted to to anonymously pay her way. So she paid her way. and did, The other teacher didn't even know who it was. And now the teacher who got her way paid wants to start a scholarship. So if there's someone who wants to come, we have money there. Well, that's all happened on its own. That's the stuff, man, <laughs> you know, that's sort of too important to, to miss. And I've had people say, wow, this changed my life. And I'm like, I'm convinced information alone doesn't change lives. It's experience. And I'm thinking more and more a conference is going to look like this. A conference is an opportunity to meet, not content. People who already know each other, who already share, 
have an opportunity, a safe space to meet and be inspired by one another. Not We don't get in their way by micromanaging, but we can lead like border collies to make sure you know, we stay on some kind of focus. But the degree to which we control everything, I think it's already over. And the people who get that and do something good with it, I think are going to succeed. So anyway, that's sort of my thinking of where we're going now. I and mean, we come from a place where we design the whole day very well. We're good at that. You know, ESDAC does that very well. Um, but I think we're going in a different direction. People want more control, more say in what they learn and how they learn. You know, it's like walking the talk that we've been we've been talking in a way. Hmm. Yeah, that's um that's pretty wonderful. Um, not gonna lie. Um you know what you said that you know, experience changes lives. Um and those experiences that we want people to have, um, uh, that's pretty pretty great. So your your expectation almost that this will happen again and that regional sites will pop up and, and things like that, what, what do you feel like you have done to ensure that um, that the this type of conference happens? again and that the other places that do this that they keep the same cultural um values uh and those kinds of things what's wonderful is i think i've done and had to do remarkably little um because uh, the people who come are communicative they're already talking so you know when i think about it advertising no need uh, the people who come and have a good experience can't stop telling other people so in a way the movement once underway, continues. Uh, and the other thing is, let's say we host one in uh, in some place in Texas. A lot of the same people will come, and they'll come expecting what they've had before. So in a way, the crowd, I think, gets to say, no, 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 this doesn't smell right. <laughs> you're, controlling every, you're controlling everything. I think the crowd at, at Woodstock, you know, they expected a number, and it, you know, this huge number of people came, and at some point, the fences had to come down, and they stopped charging admission because it was bigger than they they thought it could be and then so that the crowd will get its way you know that sounds like anarchy in a way but but in our networks you know people know what they need they know what they want um amazing things happen when you make room what is it called ginger lumen calls uh what is it called uh optimum ambiguity uh creating enough safe space for things you don't plan to happen to happen i think that's what you try to do in your classroom isn't that and it's scary because it's hard to defend what you haven't seen yet how do you defend a possibility you know how do you how do you measure it exactly you know i want to tell you about our dance uh, you didn't ask but if, can i tell you about our second life dance yeah absolutely <laughs> we had this plan we had played with this idea of having a second life dance at, at the same time as a real dance with a dj and you know second life experience so people could go over and sit down and then bring those two together in such a way that people could see through the walls, the digital walls, if you will. So one end of the room, you know, you had screens, uh, and uh, we were broadcasting the DJ and the live band into Second Life on a big screen on Hippie Beach, which was pre-created with a Volkswagen van, and, you know, everyone was there. Podstock t-shirts in Second Life, too. So people who didn't get it at all could just sit down at a computer and drive someone else's avatar without having to pay the price of admission, the learning curve, you know, all of that. Just say, Wow. I can talk, I can chat, I can dance, I can have fun. And these two experiences don't have walls between them. So they go home with this notion that later on, not today, not tomorrow, but this notion that this isn't 
scary. It doesn't have to be hard. Actually, their remembrance is that it was fun. You know how a good teacher can hook a kid for life because for some reason that teacher and that fun time was associated forever with social studies, and therefore they become a, they get their doctorate in social studies, and they'll go back and say, "Was well, Mr. Henson? Man, it was like third grade. He just brought something like that, t- tying this experience together." So we had this DJ, and and he was playing these songs and then some of the songs that came out of the users of the network who reimagined Janis Joplin and reimagined you know uh, songs and then we had a live band there my former students playing in the room and I was so happy that everyone came for free and we couldn't pay anybody you know um it was a shoestring budget and they totally got it they were given back to Mr. H that day you know uh, they said you got to help us make a music video um it's <laughs> great that'll be 40 hours but anyway they were <laughs> and people just sort of you know, in the background were lava lamps and and black light posters, and uh, it was all counterintuitive, silly, sticky fun. I don't know how to exactly explain it. We wanted this great experience to happen, and people sitting at tables talking. They hadn't stopped talking from the day, you know, from the earlier day. Uh, they were just sort of had an aesthetic surrounding them that sort of. My idea is that you got people, you know sitting around sort of playing guitar over there and over here talking about, um, you know, how do we use podcasting in the, in autistic classrooms or, and we had that, you know, we had a great lady come from Texas who's using uh, podcasts and, and video with, with, uh, with uh, autistic kids in ways that I never would have imagined. I, I had no idea that this thin strand of the use of a podcast could have huge benefits for kids in this population. I don't think if we hadn't been so open-ended we might that lady might not have thought her stuff was worthy if we had anointed ourselves as the experts of podcasting and only invited experts she would have listened but not shared instead she was on stage sharing and it sort of moved people that i guess we had forgotten that sometimes it's not the hammer you know it's it's a tinier tool than that that that, that does big things for us you know mm. one socket in the set not the whole set you know, and the experts who won't call it a podcast until it has all of these attributes, you know, sometimes can stand in the way of some people who might just jump in and say, this tool works for my kids and here's how. Some of that stuff was pretty amazing. Hmm. Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, my next question was going to be, um, <laughs> what did you what did you learn at uh at podstock um and some of what you said is is that um you know everyone was an expert at any given time and that you were able to merge um the virtual and the um you know and the non-virtual but what are the other things that you learned from creating podstock from being at podstock from from all of those things i think a small group of people can still launch a movement. Uh, you can't just say, we're going to use Twitter. But there's got to be intentionality. There's got to be design. And you have to be honest and real. You know, if you're up to something, if you're out to make a dime, if you're, I don't think you can pollute it. You know, it's either got to be, because people can sniff that, even in, in even in Twitter, you get those, get those things. So so if you're if you're up to something that's, that's good, that's honest, and you invite people, Everyone, and I'm not talking about lip service. I'm talking about honestly say, hey, drive six hours. You'll be presenting. What? Me? This is the first time. I'm scared. No problem. We got you back. We're there for you. That uh, that works, you know, and, and changes lives in a way. Uh, now, 
understand that there were there are certain breakout sessions where if you really wanted to go deep and really get the the I'll call it nerd level expertise, that was there too. You know that that there's an advanced you know if that's where you want to go if that's what you get. Um, but but if you just wanted to get into the conversation, there was ample room to do that. The other thing I I I've been learning is when people show up who already know each other, you start in the middle of a conversation, not at the beginning. You know you go to old school used to go to conferences and it took you a day just to get the lay of the land and start to know people but but man when you come in you already know each other you can go so far so fast and you cement things you know you cement friendships and you cement relationships in a way that's just really hard to do any other way i love digital i love skype but you know there's something about being in the same room that it's i don't know the old summer camp experience you know Put that together with virtual, always on, always accessible, and there's something that can come out of that. I also got that the difference between people who don't communicate in these new ways and the ones who do was starkly drawn. That contrast was as stark as I've ever seen it. And the people who don't saw big things. They saw everyone writing their clerk name down on a big board so that we didn't lose each other and Twitter names. And the people who didn't do either realized that there was a club that they hadn't even seen or knocked on the door of, and a lot of them joined because they saw real relationships playing out in real time. You know what I mean? It was hard to argue with what was happening there. It's, you know, explaining these things can be hard. You know, you almost got to see them. Well, I saw people see it, people who hadn't seen it before, um, the power of these uh, personal learning networks or professional learning networks. That's interesting that you mentioned that there's a you saw the separation between people who've communicated in new ways and those who haven't. And how did you um, get people to to cross that line to to see the value, um, or was that just so apparent that you know you didn't even have to take time to explain it? I love your question. Just before Podstock, I was speaking at the Kansas State Department of Education conference across town. And I was talking to a very different audience. You know, if we had put Podstock at the beginning and the end of that conference, the constituents would have been so different it wouldn't have worked. But I had a lady in the front row, and I happened to mention and show the album at the end of my presentation. He's an administrator who was not doing Plurk or Twitter or Skype. You know, she was email. But she saw it, so she came. She came across town, spent two more days, and did our conference. When she arrived, she was embraced she joined Plurk that minute. Everyone friended her immediately. And for the rest of that time, she had a smile on her face so big because she's not isolated now. So this family was waiting for her, and they are so they were so kind. You know, they didn't treat her like, oh, you're not one of us. You know, oh, you just started. There was none of that. They were like, welcome to the party. I joined yesterday. She joined the day before. She joined two weeks before. We all came in somewhere, but we're all okay. We're all, mm-hmm. you know, we're all in one network. She now is a... <laughs> all over Plurk, all over Twitter, uh, on the Podstock Network, and looking forward to sharing because she's taking a new job in a new district. She's a little nervous. She wants to bring some new opportunities to that district, and now she has a, a funnel you know, to connect to the world with. Um, so she would tell you uh, she spent her own money. Uh, you know, We gave her a discount because she decided at the last minute um, just to get her in there. It, it, seeing someone go from here to here uh, to, you know, so quickly – uh, it wasn't us talking. It wasn't uh, the food. It, it was the people, and and, and there, this accepting sort of feeling that there was there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't in Texas or Kansas. You there what? There was no place. It was just 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, wow. If somebody wanted to get involved in Podstock, wanted to put one on themselves, what would they do? Um, first thing um, I would have them do is go to the Podstock Ning site and just look look around. Uh, look around and kind of see. And they don't have to copy anything exactly, but just to get a feel for what the culture was at the beginning and who, how people talk to each other and what they what they share. And it's podstock.ning.com. Uh, is the name uh, network, and then I think on there just we'll start talking. Uh, I know Tim Holt is thinking of putting one on in El Paso. Yay! You know, go do it. Um, and I know he gets it because his people came from El Paso and presented, and they took back some of the. You know how there's Amish bread, and you give a little bit of the dough to somebody, and they've kept these recipes alive for generations. Mm-hmm. They keep making more and making more and making more. Well, but you know they've got the seed of that uh, in El Paso and South Dakota and Tennessee and other places where people came from. But I think you can get that right here on the network. What I want people to do, though, is look at the pictures of the people who came and the looks on their faces and the things they say. Um, there's something about it that, okay, I'm a wussy, okay? I'll call me what you want to, but there's something about it that is uh, a little bit magic. The last thing that I wanted to ask, um, which is something that I uh, I have a lot of trouble doing, but that I saw within Podstock as as a great potential, is uh, losing yourself within a learning experience and not um, not over intellectualizing it, um, which ed tech types and things like that have <laughs> have a tendency to do. How did you ensure that people? lose themselves in the learning experience and become just learners, not, you know, they are the teachers, they are the administrators, they are, you know, they are their stakeholder group. How did you bring everybody to a point where they were just learners? You know, that balance of of, of fun, um, and maybe a distractor, I'm not sure what it is, uh, but we didn't lead with the grid, okay? The grid was under under, under uh, construction almost up to the last minute. You know, we were still making changes and additions to the last minute. And we didn't talk about the grid all the time. We talked about the experience and the opportunity and the people they would meet. And I t- tell you, a bunch of people probably came to meet people in person that they liked and admired online as well. Um, so that was a piece of it. But no, the grid was there, and uh, you know, the session descriptions were all in the album. But, um, you know, the album was the thing. Inside was the liner notes. So we just sort of reorganized what seemed important. Uh, it was still important. Anyone that left there will tell you, yeah, I learned a lot. Um, but we didn't lead with it. Almost like when I meet you, if I lead with the business card versus if I just get to know you first, you know, uh, just reordering some of that stuff. And also making experience and anticipation the star of the network. Uh, people sharing pictures of what they were going to wear to pot stock. You could tell they were pre-thinking already. They knew what their costumes were going to be. That culture, that storytelling, you know, um, sort of prompted, you know, uh, we wanted to call it some kind of an anticipatory set. I don't know what what got them all thinking and ready to go. Uh, We had people there that were very used to a structured conference, and at first they had this sort of disequilibrium look on their face. It didn't take long for them to join, you know, to join. Uh, Yeah. I was worried about that a little bit because we were combining some worlds there. You got an administrator there. 
you know, uh, people looking up are saying, what, why did you spend district money to go to this? They got to have answers, you know, and the stuff's on the network, but it's mixed in with experiences and other things. I don't know that I had a, a whole lot of control over that part. I, I had faith that some of these things would take care of themselves, but I knew the people we were looking to tap weren't going to come because the content uh, looked like it was going to help kids, uh, you know, do well on standardized tests. People who came wanted to inspire kids, wanted to wake them up, you know, wanted to wake themselves up again. Um, Well, um, that is um, pretty inspiring to me to hear, um, especially as um, Colorado is trying to to plan a uh, more statewide focus or, or local focus even on um, creating some passion for, for authentic learning with technology. And, um, you know, I think that, that we get bogged down a lot um, in the grid and um, that's something that I think that, that we would do all do well to learn from Podstock is that um, if you haven't created a culture there's no way that it will continue um, and and so that to me is, is, is a really valuable lesson and I will be writing a, an overdue email to, um, to the rest of uh, the planning group for our uh, event and I'm gonna I'm gonna have them watch this um, or listen to this and and hopefully um, pull in some some different ideas from Podstock and 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 make our our event better. Um, so that obviously that was pretty selfish of me, but I, no. I'm also very interested in what you're doing. Um, and and if there's any way that I can help um, in future versions or, or anything like that, I. Uh, I really love what you're doing. I really love do. love to have you there. I, it was so hard asking Wesley Fryer or Cliff Mems to come, knowing I couldn't pay them anything. Mm-hmm. How, how do you even ask? You know, how do you say that was hard? You know what I mean? Uh, and I felt very very bad about that. Um, but again, a movement, right? That all of us are coming and no one's getting paid. Is it so important that you'd come anyway? Uh, there, there it is. Now in the future, I think we're going to be okay. The, on the Leadership team here at ESDEC said, absolutely, this is happening again next year. We're already planning. The new album cover, I can't wait to show people what the prototype looked like. It's already in initial design phases. Wow. Because um, we got back and we were so dang excited, we, we just kept going. Um, so we're working on that. A new venue maybe that can hold more people because I got a feeling that if everyone who wanted to come, who got we got this together kind of late and clumsily. There weren't many of us working on it but we'll be better next time. And if you do something with even a little bit of this on it and you want to combine these networks and constituencies are the same, you know, the same kind of people want the same kind of thing. Let's mix it up. Um, I'd love to be at yours and see what you guys end up, end up coming up with any, any version of that. We're totally, totally cool with, you know, the movement doesn't all have to have the same name to, to be the same spirit, you know? Yes. Yes, I do know. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, and I'm sure we will be talking uh, soon. Okay. Good luck and Godspeed. You too.